be forever, Mackin. Heart cold as assassins, I got no passion, I got no patience, and I hate waiting. Ho, get your ass in and let's ride. Check him out now. Ride, yeah. Check him out now. And let's ride, check him out now. Ride. Yeah. You see, we doing big pimpin'. We spendin' cheese. Check him out now. Big pimpin' on BLAD. We doing big pimpin'! Up in NYC. <laughs> Welcome to the continuum! <laughs> I just, I want to see your waveform at the very beginning of that, because that yeah, wee, yeah. just, like, <laughs> spiked. I really, oh I God. really thought that I was going to be able to just straight face it the whole way through, but I failed. But nah. I me- messed it up. I messed it up real good. Welcome to the Continue Podcast, everybody. My name is Anthony John Agnello. I got 99 problems, and all of them are not <laughs> properly during the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> all of them are. All 99 of them. Um, this is the podcast that is generally about slow jams and video games. We talk about other things that we tend to enjoy. Uh, joining me today are my lovely co-hosts, Susan Art. I hate everything. No. But most particularly, I hate technology and webcams at this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're the worst. At one point today, I had seven different chat clients open. Jesus! Why? I, I, I had to have open, let's see, it was Google, Slack, Convo, join me. Convo? iMessage. What? Discord. What? Oh I don't even know God. half of these. Yeah. And, and, and Spicy chat. Literally, I had to have all of them open to be doing my job. Gross. Yeah, really, really bad. I, like, I genuinely, every single time I see, like, Satya Nadella, the, the uh, CEO of, uh, of Microsoft, I want to go up to him and be like, stop trying to say you're making the world better. Like, <laughs> look, I don't care what you're doing to make money and everything. But if you don't stop lying about trying to obfuscate every facet of being a living thing, uh, I'm just, we're going to have to have words. I'm well, like, <laughs> Google took out the, the don't be evil thing from its mission statement, like, right, last week. What? Yeah, yeah, like, like when the company was founded in its mission statement, one of its core pillars was don't be evil. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, a bunch of engineers uh, resigned in protest uh, over the past few weeks because of some recent contracts they've been doing for the military. Oh. And then the company quietly removed Don't Be Evil from the core pillars of its mission statement uh, within the last, like, week or so. You know, I find it funny that that happened at the exact same time that Google revealed an AI service that will just make phone calls for you and pretend to be a person. You guys heard about this? What? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Google Duplex. The big innovation in AI out of Google. Google Duplex will say you need to make a reservation for a restaurant or make an appointment at your hair salon. You know, things that human beings do when they want to communicate with other human beings to do human being things. Uh, Now a robot will call on your behalf, and it sounds and acts like a person. Like, it even uses ums and ahs in a way that is, like, imperceptible to most Mm -hmm. people. What? And, and like, 
Because because really what needed to happen is you need to spend less time actually interacting with people, right? That's oh, what we all need. And more time wondering if the person you just interacted with was a person. Right, was a person. Because that's great. I'm I'm so glad, Google, that you've you've enhanced my ability to just sit there and tap on buttons, you sociopathic freak. This is why I moved <laughs> to wine country, by the way. I'm, I'm just getting I'm not I'm not a Luddite. I like I like the modern hip technology as like, much as the next guy. I got a phonogram over here. <laughs> here's here's okay. my thing. Uh, okay, what I like are places that allow you to set appointments online. Like sure. here are available appointments. Pick one, put your name in. That's great, right? Okay, fine. Because if I don't have to deal with a human for that, then that's good for me and good for them. Cool. But like, don't pretend I'm talking to a person that you oh, know yeah. like if i'm talking to a person i'm talking to a person if i'm not talking to a person i'm not talking to a person and i should be able to tell the difference this isn't fucking westworld stop it yeah yeah susan the demo when they announced this at their big outdoor uh press conference that is set up to look like a music festival and it's just a bunch of bunch of people with too much money cheering for themselves in the crowd uh when they so demoed three. it oh snap <laughs> Dunk. Oh shit! <laughs> World exclusive tapes <laughs> on the on the continue podcast. Yeah, the demo that they did on stage when they announced this thing was the robot calling a restaurant mm-hmm. and and like asking to make a reservation for a large group and in, in English. And the owner of this restaurant was clearly not a native English speaker. Okay, and was explaining to the robot like. Uh, well i'm sorry like you can't like trying as as best as possible to be like well we can't accommodate a party of that size Mm -hmm. and the kind of event you're trying to book at our establishment isn't available Mm -hmm. and afterwards they're like look at how the robot navigated this complex unexpected situation i'm like that situation shouldn't have taken place at all nobody (laughs) nobody like organizing a quinceanera is like in a fucking coma and can't dial seven numbers to talk to a person to work it out man it's uh, it's like uh, the the tech industry spending millions of dollars to invent the bus like that's yeah you've created a chevy nova google good well done Uh, that person whose indignation just cannot be matched in the entire Pacific Northwest is none other than Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. Hi. (laughs) I'm tired. Oh my god, I was literally about to say that. Like, Dave's tired. Uh, I was gonna say, in that, just in that high, Dave sounded more convincingly like he hated everything than you. Okay, that's fair. Well, you know, okay, so here's what I was explaining to my husband the other day. And I feel like, Anthony, you might be able to relate to this. So uh, we, it, uh, we watch Jeopardy often together sure. in our in our evening. We have a glass of wine and we watch Jeopardy. It's something we endo- enjoy doing together. And it's been the teacher's tournament. Nice. And, um, uh, and we were rooting uh, for uh, one particular teacher who was, she was really, really sharp, but she was just a very low-key kind of person. And uh, I was like, man, you know, she, I wish I was more like her. And my husband asked, like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm just very extra. And 
and, and I really wish I wasn't. Yeah, I wish you wish you weren't two scoops all the time. Exactly. I yeah. I do. So I feel, you. I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. I every now and again I um you know, I'm I'm my my daughter is now two. And so Dave, you have a lot more experience in this sphere than I do. And Susan, you as a dog owner have more of this experience where you guys are forced into social situations with people you otherwise wouldn't be interacting with. Yes, I actually had this over the weekend when I dropped my daughter off at a friend's birthday party, and I'm like, I don't know how to talk to normal people at all. Oh, yeah. Right, 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 right. yeah. So, you know, I like not having an outdoor pet and not having a child up until recently, this wasn't a thing that I was regularly forced into. Yeah. And so, you know, not wanting to be extra... I do find myself in situations, I take my daughter to the playground, she'll be on the swings, and then, you know, uh, a a young man or woman will approach with their child, they get on the swings, and it's like, oh man, so is she talking yet? I'll be like, strawberries! (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to see my righted action figure? I have three of them. (laughs) Did you know that the music is different in Castlevania 3 in the Japanese version? And then I I run away, and then I realize I've forgotten my child, and I run back, and I grab her, and I'm like, I'm very sorry! <laughs> I'm not... I'm not... Okay, I'm kind of that bad? You are that bad. I, I, I Okay, that's... Susan, I've been to restaurants with you. Oh, yeah. That's... Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, just, I was just ta- saying topic-wise. I can... Oh, topic-wise. Yeah, but no, no energy level. It's like a 90 at all times right. out of 10, and right. it scares people. And I just I just wish, you know, I just like to be... Just for once. Just for Mellow once. Out, man. Just for what was it? What was, what, what was a really tough Jeopardy question in that episode that you got right that you weren't expecting to? A really tough... Really, oh, that happens to me all the time. I love that. Actually, and every single time I turned to my husband and said, Oh, I was going to say that! Yeah, yeah, that's the best feeling. Yeah. Was there, was there one this episode? Uh, oh, I don't recall. You specific, don't recall? I don't recall specifically. But, uh, you know, it's just... Uh, so here's here's a weird one. Susan, you might be able to... Like, I, I, I don't know if this is still a thing. I feel like... Our audience is young enough, mm-hmm. and and Dave, I know that you're only a few years younger than me, but I feel like there might be a dividing line between the two of us where this might not be as much of a thing in your youth. Um, for Susan, it definitely was. But do you guys know if Mensa is still a thing? Oh, yeah. Oh. Is Mensa still a thing? Yep. Still a thing? Yep. Like, I, I mean a thing insofar as, like, are people aware of it? Oh, awareness? That, mm. Yeah, that's what I mean. I remember going to, like, when I was a kid, so yeah, I remember Mensa, like, going into a bookstore uh, and seeing, like, books of, like, puzzles, Mensa, right, exactly, puzzles exactly, and stuff, and yeah. now, like, you don't see that shit Oh, yeah, no, I don't all. think anybody yeah, g- does. gives a hot damn so, about that. Uh, a couple of episodes back here on Continue, we were actually talking about Jeopardy, and Jeopardy is the kind of thing that I, I feel like uh, appeals... In terms of brain function, mm-hmm. it really sort of gets to uh, a very similar thing that we as media obsessives and people in our audience as gaming obsessives sort of you know, grok to, you know, like that trivia thing. Mm-hmm. Like, here, here are facts, and I can relay them in this strange situation. And after we started talking about Jeopardy, I was, I was finding myself missing uh, 
ways to use my brain that are unexpected. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this is when I, I told you guys I was going to download Gorogoa and mm-hmm. playing some more visual novels. And it wasn't, I, I wasn't firing in the way that I wanted to. It was still too familiar. So, I have been taking mock Mensa exams. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, as one does. As one does. And, like, even the websites that I'm using to take these mock Mensa exams look like they were made in about 2002. Yeah. So thus the question, thus, I, like, I wanted to properly contextualize this because I, I, it occurred to me, people might not know what I am talking about at all. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those moments where I realized that video games have prepared me to think about things in a certain way. And sometimes it is Mm-hmm. Uh, logic problems mm-hmm. as presented in like this sort of Mensa IQ test thing like not a problem like they weren't a thing that I necessarily struggled with during my school days but now like whenever they came up I was like bam 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 mm-hmm. and the ones that just torture me are things that are anagram based interesting mm-hmm. like, yeah like my brain and you know all three of us we're writers we, we are ensconced in words at all times but and Susan, and you, as somebody who's very familiar with the kind of typos I'm <laughs> <laughs> Yes! Right? So, and, like, they, one of the questions that I've run into repeatedly is, here's a jumble of words. Mm-hmm. What word are you supposed to get out of this? I'm like, peanuts. It's like, there's no you in there, man. And I'm like, sure there is. But... Yeah, it, it's been it's been really interesting. It has been forcing my brain down different paths. And I would, <clears throat> for you and, and, and Russ, uh, as Jeopardy Watch, mm-hmm. do it. Because it will scratch all of your Jeopardy issues. Honey, boo. Do you not understand I'm doing puzzles and, and stuff <laughs> constantly? <laughs> like that's, yeah. you know how you are with, with video game music? Oh, yeah. Like you're an aficionado and you, that's how I am with puzzles, yeah. word puzzles, math puzzles, you know, the, it's disappointing how Professor Layton has been, become so repetitive. It's yeah. like, I don't like, I don't want to do, you know, sliding block puzzle number 10 mm-hmm. because I already get the sliding block puzzle. And this is why I appreciate games like uh, the Rusty Lake series that are puzzle based, but in a completely unusual and and freaky way i that's yeah i'm i'm training my brain pretty much non-stop with that non-stop. shiz yeah so yeah like you you love non-linear thought yep right you know, yeah i have problems no here's what i need and i don't know if this exists other than it being reality I need some. I need something that teaches me common sense directions, <laughs> because like I'll be pre- presented with uh, you know some in, in real life. I'll be presented with some kind of problem or something, and I will start thinking up the most. I mean, it would work, but it's like this arcane, exotic, like twenty step solution. And then my husband's like, "Why don't you just turn the light on?" Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I could do, yeah. I could do that. Like that, the simple thing just does not occur to me. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like, I feel like the problem, you know, when you, you got it like maybe like a month off from Twitter, <laughs> because I think Twitter is the anti common sense. 
Like it. Well, it, it true. Makes, they, this. Yeah, I okay. We're not going down a Twitter hole. No, let's but, <laughs> let's I, not. Like about eighteen months ago, I, do you guys remember a thing where the three of us were? I kept sending you pictures of ads from old issues of PlayStation magazine, mm-hmm. that I and it was super entertaining. We yeah, were like oh yeah. my god, shit was fucked up back in the day. Yeah, uh, and so I, I, one of the ones that horrified us the most was for Tomb Raider three. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what the exact ad copy was. It was something like, Boobs! McGee is yeah. back! And we were like, this is terrible. Um, and so I posted that on Twitter. And last night, I, I go, and I like my phone is like, you've got all the notifications. Oh, and no. there was some young, lonely man yelling at me about posting this and like being like, why are you offended by this? And I was like, <laughs> that is time-stamped! This conversation started a year and a half ago. Oh, We're all boy. different people, son. And yeah, so the point of that is like, just turn Twitter off. And I feel like that's like ankle weights for common sense. <laughs> <laughs> like at the end of a month, at the end of a month, you'll just be like, oh shit, everything makes sense again. I can turn on lights. Uh, hey, can we solve all the problems? Speaking of boobs, can I? Yeah. Can we? No, I'm, this is legit. So, as y'all may have know, uh, y'all may know, Steam has de- oh yeah yeah has decided that it's not going to allow certain. Can we call it lascivious? We can we can call we can because lasciviousness doesn't seem to be the uh, litmus test here. Okay, it's, it's, almo- it's almost like uh, it's almost like John Ashcroft got hired over at Valve. And is like, well, Lady Justice can't show her breasts. Now no one can show her breasts. Oh boy! This is, yeah, it, it's basically like if you have boobs mm-hmm. and butts, okay, uh, in your game, then it, Steam is saying get them out. You're okay, out. you can't be here anymore. So it's okay because here's this bugs me because and here's why <sighs> I get that. You know, there's a larger issue with if there's only one representation of women in any kind of media, then that skews the perception of women. If there's only one one depiction of anybody, you know, men, doctors, dogs, whatever, if there's only one depiction of a group across a form of media, then that begins to shape perceptions of that group. I get that. Sure. That is a genuine problem. Yes, I agree. However, I also want to say... Like, these, like, super pervy, like, they exist solely as spank fodder. Yeah, porn. Porn, yeah. It's porn. I, it, it, it's, it's porn. I feel like it's porn adjacent. It's a very mm. particular, it's like foot porn, right? Like you, it's, mean, yeah. <laughs> you mean, you mean, like, like the visual novel thing? Or, yeah. like, all, yeah, like the visual novel. Yeah, like, 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 that creeps me out, and if that's your jam... I probably don't want to be alone in an elevator with you, but sure. you know what? My discomfort and your preferences can can and should coexist. As long, yes. as, as, long as you're not hurting nobody, go be a perv. I don't, you know, I don't, I think, like, I'm skeeved, but who cares that I'm skeeved? Yeah, it is, it is definitely the epitome of, like, the victimless crime. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you know, I, and I, it's one of those things where I, I find the the sort of gatekeeping of 
saying that some form of media is different than another form of media mm-hmm. to just be completely asinine yeah. in every single way. Like, saying, like, oh, well, you can't have these things in, in here. Every single airport newsstand in all of the land mm-hmm. has porn on on their shelf. They do. Uh, yeah. For men and women. I mean, like and this, I, this, the was it the the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition? The Sports it was circulated in grocery stores, like, right? Like, I don't, I don't want. I don't, to, uh, I don't think we can compare the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue to tentacle porn. I'm sorry, no, no, I no. feel like there's well, a line. no. Wow, whoa, they, Susan, the ESPN, they're they're, they're getting with the 21st century now. <laughs> yeah, they're they're branching out. <laughs> I would honestly just like if they had. Uh, like, I don't know who the hot chick of the moment is, but they, if they had her in some kind of bikini and with tentacles like all over her, I'd buy it just in in support. Right? That would be <laughs> like, this is it. I this is love the that. sign. I, I, well, look, I, I don't I don't want to offend any delicate ears uh, listening to the Continue podcast. And if I am, how the hell did you end what up? Are you doing <laughs> I would love to know what the path that led you to this moment is, but. Uh, sorry, everybody. Getting your rocks off is a basic human need. Like, being physical contact with other people and and some level of sexual satisfaction is a thing that human beings need to function. Like, eating and breathing. And if people don't have it, it it can, you know, it, it, it can hurt you. Yeah, you know, yeah, it can hurt your sense of well-being. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's weird that this is <clears throat> Valve in its like infinite algorithm platform. <laughs> this is where it's putting its foot down, like what? not right. the, the 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 racist stuff that gets put on its uh, on its platform, not the homophobic right. stuff that makes it through, not the at, like clearly. Like, we made this in two weeks using Unity assets to make a quick buck off of trading cards. Yeah. That stuff gets through fine. But no, it's the it, the pervy anime stuff. See, this, that is, is, this is the thing. Like, that's... Like, to, like, the... Once you start shutting stuff down because of quality, now you're making a value judgment, and that's very much in the eye of the beholder, right? Sure. So I'm not cool with them scrapping something that was made in two weeks as a, as a cash grab because you have to trust that the marketplace is going to make the decision for them there. What I don't like is this moral yardstick. Yeah. That I am not cool with. Especially, you know, especially when it's so arbitrary. Right, exactly. Like, you are either, like, either <clears throat> you gotta be full-on puritanical across the board, like, if, if you... In which case, guys, stop selling Far Cry 5 right now. Exactly. Do it. Right? Do it. Ban, ban all of Ubisoft's games. Say Rainbow Six and Ghost Recon and Far Cry are if, no longer allowed. Far Cry 3 has titties in it like there's a mm-hmm. part in the game where you see naked ladies like you gonna stop selling that now mm-hmm. no because you guys gonna stop selling grand theft auto 5 i would love it to see what would happen if yeah. you stopped mm-hmm. selling grand theft auto 5 is there a dude yeah. who hangs dong in that game like yeah man yeah uh, uh, also yeah. like you know there there's a demon in persona <clears throat> that is an enormous green penis in a chariot <laughs> so Susan, have you finished Shin Megami Tensei Four, the 3DS one? Oh no! no oh, it's great. I, it's I, that. It's so hard. It's so. Yeah, I didn't but, love it. I well, the problem is, is that one 
more so than any other SMT game in recent memory, like the barrier to entry is tough. It is. Because you it have is. to play like a 10 hour really hard RPG yeah. to get to the real game. That is absolutely true. Yeah, once you get your starting lineup, you're yeah. good, but getting to that point is like, oh my god. It's ten hours, it and is. like literally the entire structure of the game changes after ten hours, yep. and then it shows you what it is. Yep. I, I did the whole shebang, the whole thing, and I wanted to make sure that I could get like the true ending, uh, which requires you to do pretty much every side quest as well. Okay. And so... The very last side quest you do is in this, like, way little corner of the overworld map, and you go in and you're talking to this one demon who is very much your classical anime big boss. Okay. You know, they're very sl slender mm -hmm. and androgynous, you know, speaking in a very aloof way about how, oh, I see that you've come to challenge me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then they just get knocked off the screen and the giant penis chariot yep. character comes in. <laughs> and he's like, here I am, baby! I'm in the middle of your game! Yeah, but I want to be clear. When we say this, we don't mean it's phallic or suggestive. No, no, no. It's a veiny, erect penis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If people found a statue of it 30,000 years ago, they would worship it as yep. a fertility god. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, if like if you're going to have this this moral outrage about pink bits, then then it's got to be then everything. Yeah. Everything. Oh, and by the way, while you're at it, how about you stop selling games where you kill people? Yeah. I'm Why just, you? you know. Yeah, for if, if we're or or where you steal things like well, okay like uh, how or about let's get payday or use drugs yep. or yeah basically like <laughs> here's the deal steam you can sell a single game and it's like thomas was alone and that's it yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly right <laughs> ta-da that's the only one left have fun good news for mike bethel though I was gonna say, yeah it's gonna be great somewhere mike bethel's going Wow, really? Is that a thing yeah. we can do? Yeah, but then what is he going to do when it's Steam sale time? He's just yeah. getting pennies. Pennies every single time. Uh, before we move on from current events, another very strange thing that happened in the past couple of days. Susan, you, you were talking about this this morning. The fact that Capcom has said Resident Evil 7 yep. is coming to Nintendo Switch. And kind of... <laughs> Kinda. Kinda. And this is the, the substantiation <laughs> of something else that is super weird. This is a a streaming version of the Resident Evil 7 on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and PC. Like, you have to access a server. Do you guys know how you, you buy the game? No, no. You buy an 18-day token. What? Yeah, you, you get, like, it's like a ride pass. You buy a ticket to the ride... <laughs> So, and then you, you can access a version of Resident Evil 7 that streams to you over the internet only in Japan. Fuck off. <laughs> so this, this, isn't, this isn't totally uh, new. Nintendo's been experimenting this in Asia for a while now. Dragon Quest X uh, for the 3DS works this way. It's, it's the PC version of Dragon Quest X, but you access a streaming client the same way that you access netflix or hulu and then you play it that way obviously latency is not a big deal in that game because mm. it's a role-playing game and this isn't the first switch 
for cloud that's the it's resident evil 7 for cloud uh that's the title of this and it's not even the first for cloud game sega just recently put out don't say it don't i gotta i gotta i'm sorry i'm sorry for all of us (laughs) fantasy star online 2 for cloud i'm sorry i'm i'm gonna need a moment i'm just gonna go weep yeah because yeah. here's the thing, if you've been following me for, for for any point of time, you know how I feel about Fantasy Star Online. You know how badly I want that goddamn game. Yeah, but and it's the, the, we're th- so far. Yeah, go ahead. Three weeks, this is what I don't understand, like three, and then, is it a, subs- like, is it a subscription, or, like, because you're, you're not finishing Fantasy Star Online 2 in three weeks, obviously. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're just sort of... I think you subscribe to it. Okay. I think it's like a free client, and much in the same way that the PC version works. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Different, different question. Different question. Is are, are is it one token per game? Like you buy the Resident Evil token, and then you buy yeah. the oh, okay. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, Resident Evil Seven. Okay. It's not like a token for the four cloud okay. service. Okay. You buy a token to the game, and then you have it for such and such an amount of time. I Fantasy Star Online Two is is just free. Like I think it's just you 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 pay the money for things in the game in the way that most MMOs do, whether oh, it's cosmetics oh. or, or leveling things or Cause the way it used to work uh, when the last fantasy star over here, which was on Xbox 360, you had to have a hunter's license, which oh. was in order to play the online portion of it, which is where you got the better gear and stuff. You had to have a hunter's license, which was basically a monthly subscription. The cool thing was like, I feel like playing Fantasy Star this month. Go get your hunter's license. Boom. You got it for one month. You play and then whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I just had mine all the time because at any given moment, I, I might want <laughs> was to play it, What was Star. it? It was called Fantasy Star Online, like Ultimate or something? Uni- no, not Universe. Uni- Infinite Online. something. It wasn't good, man. Yeah. I, well, they, they <laughs> haven't been. Like, for Because Fantasy Star Online version 3 for GameCube sucked as well. Shut up. Ah, <laughs> oh, Susan. Was one of them a card game? The yes, cards. That was the cards. Okay. And I want, okay. The cards. Look, Susan. look, 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 look. Okay, look. You're not wrong. The cards. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. First, of all, I mean, it wasn't. It, it it wasn't the right kind of game. But even yeah. uh, Fantasy Star Online Two, um, version came, two, version two, which came out back on the Dreamcast. That was not great. It was. Yeah. It wasn't as good as yeah. the first one. So I mean, I get it, but it's I'm, it makes me cry. It's it's remarkable to me that the original isn't a thing. You know, because we we constantly see people over the past decade since you know becoming an indie developer has been a viable solution for ten years now. Mm-hmm. We're at the end of that decade, and. A, one of the best business models is saying, hey, here's this old thing that was really successful and none of the big dogs are making it anymore because they think that the audience is too small, so let's make it. Whether that's your, your Metroids or your right. Zeldas or etc. Uh, that nobody has stepped in and said, let's let's make a Fantasy Star Online. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the infrastructure, man. Like, that's... Yeah, but like, look at look at the success that Torchlight had. Doing that for Diablo, True. you know, Torchlight killed it. Torchlight, Torchlight was great. It. It, and yes. you know, I, I, it seems crazy to me that you know, even, even a, um, a significant size publisher like a Paradox 
you know, that, that Paradox... Oh, God, don't, don't let Paradox do anywhere near... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not suggesting... I'm not suggesting that I want Paradox to do this. I'm just saying it's surprising that Paradox yeah. hasn't given somebody, like, a broken-ass, like, vaguely racist <laughs> Ukrainian-developed fantasy star online riff that people are like, you know, it's kind of broken as hell, and if you can get past the misogyny, it's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> like... I can totally see that happening. Um, Speaking of, of Paradox, the reason I was late to this here podcast was because uh, there was a big Surviving Mars update. Oh. And it, it's quality of life stuff that just makes the game so much better. You can read things? You can read text? Uh, reading it was never an issue in, in that game. It, it's all like mechanical stuff. Like, for example, mm. I mean, you're, you're going to Mars, you're making a colony, you build a dome for people to live in. Uh, they couldn't, your your colonists couldn't easily travel between domes. Oh, that's not good. For example, before. Now they can't. Now it's built in like you can just have this big network of domes. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff. It's awesome. If you ever wanted to play the game, go get it. Perfect. That's 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 one of those things. I, I we should note that none of these Switch Cloud games uh, are coming to the United States. Yeah, and um, like I, I bet there are a variety of reasons. Many of them having to do with the like our online infrastructure versus Japan's. Well, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like PlayStation Now is it like kind of a good bellwether for the uh, the experience that these kinds of games I, I assume would offer and like some people say it's it's crap like you could never get it to work right it's choppy it's framey as hell it looks like a slideshow or the latency is so bad that you press the stick and then five seconds later your reticle moves yikes or Mm -hmm. some people said like i tested it out a couple months ago and it worked swimmingly like Mm. it was like there's a little noticeable lag and like the video quality wasn't perfect but it was because you're it's because you're on the west coast man because you're uh, on the west coast like i've tried every time i've tried to use playstation now last time was two years ago and i'm just not near a sony data center and Mm. you know given my proximity to new york city it might seem surprising that that's the case and some things work fine downloading from psn works like a flash i tried to play sonic 4 which you know i don't don't worry about why i was trying to play (laughs) Sonic the That's Hedgehog not 4. important. Sonic the Hedgehog 4 Episode 1. Uh, a terrible game. By dimps. But, by dimps. What? I just, yeah, yeah, that's the name of the studio. Dimps. In our Sonic features, that's the name of the studio and the sound the game makes. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sick burns. Um, yeah, the PlayStation Now allowed me to pay for the rental. And then said, you do not have the uh, internet speed to play. up. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So they not me, okay. They let me pay them five smackers uh, to play this game. And then we're like, no. Actually, so you can't. You can't. Maybe that, maybe that was just them trying to save you from yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they started, like, it's, the whole process started. And they're like, oh, no, dog. No. Oh, this is an intervention now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like yeah. a knock at the door and somebody just slaps me. Yeah. Like, wait. Andrew House? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the most social physical assault in the history of Sony history. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've been listening to you. The player about how what do you, you want most. <laughs> how do you how do you 
know where I live, Andrew. I watch you sleep at night, Anthony! <laughs> no! That'll teach you to have your PlayStation camera hooked up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We've reached the Andrew House portion of the show, everybody. That's, <laughs> that is a perfect moment to... I, I Dave, I want to hear about what you did this weekend. Uh, okay. You you played you played a special game that wasn't streaming to your Nintendo Switch. No. Uh, no, it was my uh, daughter's birthday this weekend. She turned 10. Yay! And as a present, uh, I got her the uh, Nintendo Labo stuff. And I really, like, she seemed interested in it uh, when I showed her the trailer, but you you know how kids are. Like, I was a kid. Like, you don't know how they're going to react until they actually have the thing and they're playing it. Sure. And we're putting it together, and we're both just kind of, like, we're, we were both just really amazed by, one how logically everything fits together. So the way it works is you get these plastic or these cardboard sheets and the software tells you how to put everything together. So it's like, okay, for this step, you're going to need these pieces from sheet A and B and this piece from sheet D. So you punch them out and the little software has these neat little uh, animations and sound effects. So like every time it wants you to put a tab into the cardboard, it makes this, like the software makes this fun little pop sound it's it's adorable so you're doing that everything is it's logically laid out and everything fits together nice and neatly so you fold it you're like okay well how does this what does this do and then you're like oh it just you crease it fold it into a box everything tabs together and now you have a piece and now you take this other piece you fold it into a box and everything tabs together so like and like if if there's a step where you have to fold more than like two pieces at once there's always a tab so you never feel like this thing is just this impossible mess of folding and cardboard and, mm. and stuff. Like, there, there's one piece that I had to roll, like, three or four times. It was like, okay, roll it four times, and then put the tab in to lock it in place. Now roll the other half four times, put the tab in, lock it in place. Now fold those two pieces together, and there's another tab that folds in to hold them together. So everything just nice sequential steps you never feel overwhelmed by what you're trying to do. And then uh, you take the two pieces and it's just like, okay, so now this will just kind of neatly slide in and now you have a handlebar. And uh, once you get everything set up, you put the switch in, you put the Joy-Cons in, and now you have a motorcycle. And it works. And it's it's magic. When you say, like, when you say it works, what do you mean? Like for the motorcycle, this is the thing, having never touched Labo, has always sort of been a mystery to me. Yeah. Like like when you say it works, like what are you doing? So you put so the, the you put the switch console in the center of this motorcycle cardboard housing unit and like you build it and and the instructions are like hey, you see what we're trying to do here? We're building the place to put your switch. And then you put the switch in that folds in. And then there're these little tabs on the side of the handlebars where you put the Joy-Cons in. You put those in, and the way that, like, you've built these, uh, over the course of the project, you've built these uh, cardboard buttons that actually press the little, like, you know how the Joy-Con has those little buttons on the inside mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of it? So it's Yeah, like, the, the, the indented L and R button. Yeah, so when you slide that into the handlebar, the little button, there's, like, this little cardboard lever that you push in. And it presses one of those buttons and it sounds the horn or the other one's the ignition. That's awesome. And like the the handlebar, one of them, you use rubber bands. So there's like friction to it. So you pull it and it just snaps back. 
And that in conjunction with the gyroscope is the throttle. So like they could have just said, hold the Joy-Con in your hand and go like this, like a Wii remote to make a, a motorcycle work. But with that added little bit of tension to it, it feels like you're driving a motorcycle and the little mm. button on the top uh, of it, uh, the, le- the lever is your brake and you tilt the whole unit to turn your, uh, turn your motorcycle. Um, and it's all just like, it's literally cardboard rubber bands, uh, some reflective tape. So the IR sensor on the joy con knows what you're doing, like mm. what, what piece that you're, you're messing with. And, uh, and like the gyroscopes and the software. It's incredible. Like, so the the other uh, project that we did over the weekend, uh, Penny's friend actually came over to help us out, and I was like, I don't know how she feels about this. Like it, like if she's cool with it, if she's bored by it, or what. So by the time we finished it and we put the switch in this little house, we made these little buttons. One of the buttons, it's it's literally made out of cardboard. You push it. And it just like it presses in and presses out, and it's just it, the entire tension is just these little cardboard strips that pinch in and out when you press it. Um, and you put reflective tape on the inside of the button. So when you slot the button into the house, you put the Joy-Con on the top of the house. So when you press the button, the IR sensor sees what bre- what button you're pressing, and it knows what to do on the screen. So there's this little creature that lives in the screen. You put. Um, hmm like a key on the side and it's actually a faucet you turn the key it turns the faucet on the whole thing fills up with water um and like by the time we finished that house like even uh penny's friend was like oh cool so i just like i let him play they're like look what we could do and they found out that if you put multiple buttons in the thing it unlocks other secret mini games in this little house thing um how long it's really cool how long did it take you to put these things together like the house the motorcycle how long the motorcycle was about an hour and a half to two hours man that's a long time and the it house is, yeah. was about two to three hours that's uh, a really that's that's i mean that's a long time that's yeah. a lot of effort yeah and it's like it it's a lot of effort but it never feels overwhelming because of the mm. way that the software breaks everything down for you um it's it's the one time where nintendo's like little hey maybe now that you finished the step why don't you take a break for a minute i've never been like you stupid game don't tell me to take a break <laughs> like nintendo is notorious for that with the Wii. hey you've been playing a lot of mario brothers why don't you go for a walk shut up game yeah it's not it's, it's like, not like when you're playing wii sports bowling yeah and you're like 10 beers deep and it's like <laughs> you've been playing bowling for eight and a half hours why you don't you go drunk. outside Shut up, we. But uh, but that does that's actually a really good note for parents with regard to the age mm-hmm. you're gonna want to do this with kids because an hour and a half for a six year old is a lot. five years. A, yeah, yeah. So, but um, you know, for for a ten year old, yeah, totally. But yeah, and like it's, I would say six might be a little too young. Mm. Um, at least you know without parental supervision like i wouldn't let my four-year-old kid play with this stuff because like the cardboard is durable but it's not unbreakable you still want to be careful with it yeah um but man like i'm just i'm amazed 
buy it because it's not just it's not just oh you put a cardboard thing and here's a little mini game there's also like once you finish the thing it unlocks another menu which then is like hey we're gonna walk you through every step of why this thing is doing what it's doing and other ways that you can interact with this thing to maybe do things that you wouldn't expect and once you finish those it unlocks another menu that's like hey here's some ways that you can maybe customize uh, your stuff with stuff that you have lying around the house or uh, markers or other things and then there's like oh there's a little manhole what if I press this and now you've unlocked this thing where you can program your own projects and it walks you through everything um, it's just it's it is a toy in a way that I wish more toys were like so like Penny got a bunch of other presents. Like one of these things was like the sixty dollar Hatchimals thing. Have you heard what? of this? Oh yeah. What? And like it's it's cute. It's basically it's this egg, and you you. I get it. I got. I there's got an it. There's animal Hatchimal, inside. I got, it. I got it. You press. You like you rub it. The animal nope. actually breaks out. Nope. Of Steam the egg, banned those. Hatches. Steam banned those. <laughs> Not allowed to sell those on Steam anymore. <laughs> but it's and it's like okay, so this thing is cool for a couple minutes, but once it's hatched, yeah. Well, now what? Like she yeah. also got a bunch of lol. Like God bless my mom's heart, but she sent a bunch of lol dolls, and it's like once the what? surprise of what? opening lol dolls. What is that? It's basically you get this orb, okay, and it's got a bunch of little compartments, and you All open right. a compartment. And out pops this little, like, wrapped toy. You don't know what it is until you open up the wrapping. And the whole thing about it is that it's about, like, what surprises are inside this orb that you buy for a ridiculous amount of money? This sounds like a Tales from the Crypt episode. <laughs> yeah! And it's like, once the surprise is done, like, once you've opened it, like, what do you do with it? Mm. There's nothing. You Like, yeah, you play with the little toys, maybe... Um, and I think that's that's one of the biggest disconnects that a lot of people in gaming have with Labo is that they see it and they go, oh, it's just cardboard. It's just like these those games, they don't look like like they don't, those don't look like game games, you know, I just I don't understand. But, like, who cares? You know, like, I, I don't understand why anybody is threatened by the notion of something on any gaming platform not being a game game you know what right. i mean you know i well, i just i think i think people wonder that like all oh, the cost of it it's a lot it's uh the variety pack is 70 dollars the robot pack is 80 dollars and just saying like oh okay so you spend 70 dollars and the game that you get is like like not very substantial and it's like well that's not the point right it's but, a toy uh, I, you I, build it and then you mess with it and like it's as far as toys go, uh, it's one of the better, probably one of the best ones that I've seen, like in you know this modern era, because of the so many ways that they let you make the toy your own. Yeah. Unlike you know Hatchimals, where it's like okay, <laughs> it hatched, it hatched Enjoy. sixty dollars. <clears throat> now my kid's bored with it. Like, well, Dave, I you know. The thing that Susan and I were talking about at the top of the show about sort of engaging in activities that allow you to indulge in non-linear thought to yeah push your brain to do something that is tricky. I mean, did you feel like Labo did that? Uh, because yes, you're following directions, like you're following. Yes. It's like a Lego set, but following a Lego set, I feel like people who 
who crap on Lego. They're like, oh man, why would I want to make a Star Destroyer? That that ruins the creativity. It's tricky. It's like, tricky. It's and, tricky. And, and then when you're all done spending six hours making <clears throat> this thing, you have a thing that you can look at and go, I made this. Right. Even, I follow directions, but you know, a lot, like you follow directions to bake a cake. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's, the, it's, there's like, it's a little trickier than that, but it's still like the same kind of concept. I, and I think the way that Labo works is that it starts out very linear. There is like, this is the things, these are the things that it wants you to do to make the thing that it wants you to make. But once you're done, the game starts hinting at ways that you can do more with it. Mm-hmm. And to do things that maybe weren't part of the design for the thing, at least for uh, Labo generally. Because, like, I've seen stuff online where people have taken the general, like, the the programming software, um, and the like the IR sensor from the Joy-Con and stuff and using Labo to be like, I made a game where you throw a card at a hat and if it passes by the IR sensor, the sensor picks it up and puts a point on the Switch screen. And they just made it. They made it using the software and uh, just some programming ingenuity. And that's not something that the game tells you to make, but mm. it hints at that through teaching you about the way that its software works and the way that its uh, programming works and slowly putting the little seed inside of you as you build and as you play that like maybe I could do something else with this. Uh, I think that's really cool. I think that it's um, and like pushing creativity in people who may perhaps not feel very creative. Like I don't like I yeah I'm a writer and I uh, I write for a living, but I don't feel like a creative person in that way. In that like artistic, I'm going to make a thing, a physical thing, or I'm going to draw a thing. But I look at that and go, you know, if I had a couple hours and I went through some of these tutorials, I could probably do something with this. That's cool. And that's, yeah, and that's a really cool feeling for me, the guy who's not, doesn't, like, has never really felt super creative like that. Um, I'm happy to, I'm just happy to see that the Switch is, that that there, you know, especially with Nintendo, there are, are so many... Before the hardware comes out, Nintendo is very, uh, they push hard on the, look at all the different ways we're going to use this thing. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I, when they, they showed the, the HD rumble in their demonstration, like, look how many ice cubes you could feel. Like, right, right. You're like, you're cares? never going to use that. <laughs> or like the Wii U, you know, the, when the Wii U was first shown off, they were like, look at people practicing their golf swing with this wildly expensive controller <laughs> on the floor and... How we've rendered this crazy fish, and, and none of that, none of that stuff ever happened. The Wii Vitality Sensor that never happened, and this, you know, the, Nintendo showed off in that video. Like, here are the HD Rumble things. Here's the IR sensor. Here's the way that this thing breaks apart and can do these different things. It's exciting to see them using it in those ways. Yeah, and I hope uh, they make more. Like, I hope it's successful, and I hope they make more because just the act of sitting with my kid. And making this stuff together and then messing with it is a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, and I I want to keep doing that with Nintendo's cool stuff. Yeah. So, you know, any any Nintendo fanboy out there that's like, Oh, I don't want any more Labo. You guys need to... You guys need to get back to making the sweet games like Star Tropics. I don't know why I'm imitating myself. 
Uh, Nintendo, <laughs> you have nothing to worry about because Nintendo is just going to keep making the games that are are game games. And Susan, you've been playing one of the game games that Nintendo has recently put out. It's one that not many people got to play the first time around because it was on that dreaded Wii U. You were playing uh, ye old ye old Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Yeah. How do you feel about it? You know, it's not funky mode. Yeah. You're not funky mode. Okay. I will say funky mode. <laughs> no, no, no. I think funky mode is great. I think it's absolute genius. Uh, for those who are maybe not aware, you can play in normal mode, which is the way it was presented on the Wii U, or you can play in funky mode, which allows you a little more flexibility. Like this, you know, there's the four letters K O N G to collect in every level. And in funky mode, if you get the K and O on one playthrough, you can go back and get the N and G on another one, and it counts. Oh. And that's great. Like that's an enormous improvement. Yeah, absolutely. And there's stuff like you can bring helpful items with you into levels. Uh, there's a parrot who points out where puzzle pieces are. There's extra life balloons, stuff like that. In funky mode, you can uh, access them on the fly, hmm. rather than deciding what your loadout is before you start the level. It's like ah. This part seems kind of hard. I would like to use my balloon that helps me fly over spiky pits. Great. So it's very, uh, very much, and you know, you don't have to use any of that stuff if you don't want to, but it's, it's a much, it expands the potential skill level of the folks who can play it. That is wonderful. I am bored shitless by this game. <laughs> Like to the point, I'm wondering if something is, <clears throat> is wrong with me. Like, nope. is it, cause what it's a bad game. It's wow. Bad game. It's I just, I just don't give a shit about it at all. And, and you love platformers. That's the I thing. Do. You love them. I do. I, 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 so, I'm, you know, I played the first few levels and I'm like, okay, I recognize the elements of design here, but I just don't feel about it. it Comparing it to Super Mario Odyssey is woefully unfair. I recognize that. But Odyssey just felt so inventive and happy and delightful is just the the best word for that game. Whereas Tropical Freeze feels to me extremely competent. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, well... That's kind of the, that's the Donkey Kong Country legacy, isn't it? I love Donkey Kong Country. The first one and even the next two, actually, I enjoyed. The first one, I I think I 100%ed that game. Like, I loved it. And this is... So what's missing? Because when you... I I find the notion of being bored with a game really interesting. uh, Because sometimes I think boredom can be good things. You know, uh, I think that like, like grinding levels in Dragon Quest, I, I love mm-hmm. and it, there's a boredom to it that I really enjoy. Mm. Uh, but I, you know, what is, what is it that's boring you? I think, here? I think what, when you're saying boredom, what you mean is a lack of urgency. Yes. Yeah. I, I'd agree with that. Yeah. That's not what's going on here. What's going on here is I see design elements that feel like they're in there just for the sake of being a design element. Like there are these handles that uh, are in the ground and you pull on them and it does something to the environment. Maybe yeah. it pulls up a coin. Maybe it activates a lever. Who knows? Whatever. It's it's a thing. 
and it, there's no joy in that. There's no creativity there. It's just hit a thing. Yeah. And the, something happens. The game, the game design term for that is always juice. It's like, mm-hmm. how do you juice something? It's, you know, are you going to, are you going to add a little bit of color to the environment? Are you, you know, adding an inessential element yeah. to a game to spice it up and make it richer. And I almost feel like like Donkey Kong Country Returns Tropical Freeze Funky Mode Edition uh, is like somebody spilled the juice everywhere. And, and, and it, it just, it, it feels like something the junior team made, mm. right? The ones who understand mechanics... Because mechanically the game works great, but there's no, there's, there's no spirit. Like mm. you'll, you'll see little glimpses of it. Like there'll be, uh, you'll, you'll grab a power up or something, or you'll, you'll shake a tree or whatever. And this little banana will go flying out of it. And all these little bananas will fly, will follow it. It's got wings, the whole bit. Like it's a little, it is literally a flying banana. And then if you catch all of them before they disappear, you get a special thing. That's great. Like that to me feels special and engaging and worth pursuing. Whereas the rest of it, it's just like, okay. Yeah. I, I will say I, I really like tropical freeze a lot. Um, and I had real issues with it when it came out on Wii U mm-hmm. because I, I felt that it didn't. And this is a theme for me on the show. Apparently I felt like it didn't respect your time mm-hmm. as a player. Mm-hmm. And going back to it and playing in regular mode, I still feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that every boss in Tropical Freeze is a crime against humanity. There is no reason that the bosses should be as long-winded as they are. Mm. Where you have to we have to go through three full phases and just go through these painstaking patterns that aren't even challenging. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing interesting about them. You just have to wait for this thing to go through the motions, and it's brutal. Uh, and I felt that way about many of the levels that like at a at a pure platforming level, the thing that I always love the most in a platformer is the platforming. I want to go from beginning to middle to end of the stage, and I want that to be interesting and hard, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to jump over things in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten in the original release of Tropical Freeze, you'd be in a situation where you'd be like, that was an awesome string of bottomless pits and spikes and monsters. Mm -hmm. And then you would get to one tricky part and it would kill you and then it would send you all the way back to the beginning of the stage. And just terrible checkpointing. And I... Funky Mode addresses this. It fixes that. It makes it so that you can just like... You can play this game in a more reasonably paced way. I don't like the overabundance you know, I don't like the constant tide of here are coins and here are bananas yeah, and here yeah. are puzzle pieces. Like, pare it down, man. I something that was so great about the original Donkey Kong Country is that in every level there were four letters to find. Yep. Find them. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. That's yeah, something yeah. that you can hold in your head rather than uh, you know, oh, how many of the special coins did you have? So you could buy a parrot who can help you find the nine puzzle, nine puzzle pieces in most of these stages. And that's, for me, one of the things, I think the main thing that I really enjoy about platformers is 
their secrets. This is something that Yoshi's Island did brilliantly. Mm -hmm. It's something that Super Mario World did brilliantly. Odyssey does it brilliantly. They're giving you stuff to find. They're giving you collectibles that are out there. But the finding of them is fun. Sure. And they are meaningful. And I don't feel like either of those things is true here. Yeah. So, I, I will say the extra stages in Tropical Freeze feel meaningful, but like those aren't even attached to... Like, you can find hidden exits, mm -hmm. which will open up your, your A path, rather than... Right. You know, so you'll be like in 5-2, and then instead of going to 5-3, if you find the secret exit, mm -hmm. you go to 5-B or whatever. Right. And that stuff is really cool, and it's not tied to all the collectible stuff. Like... You don't have to find nine puzzle pieces to get to that secret exit. It's it's almost like the overabundance is just, instead of making it feel like a more rich game, it's getting in the way of the things that are interesting that are there. And this was exactly the problem I had with Yoshi's Woolly World, too. Mm. Woolly World had tons of collectibles. Uh, most notably, the, the only one that was remotely enjoyable was finding the, yarn, the bundles of yarn that would let you change Yoshi's appearance. Mm. All the other collectibles were complete bullshit. They did mm -hmm. nothing for you. They were just kind of there so you could say you 100%ed something. And that, for me, in the original uh, Yoshi's Island, ev like everything you tracked down had a meaning. Yeah. Everything was useful. And it was really well hidden, too. You had to... You know, look for stuff that was off screen or think of clever ways to get across, get to a different location or what, whatever. And Woolly World phoned that shit in. And I, and I really feel like Tropical Freeze phones that in too. So whether the, the platforming is interesting or not, and I, I can't say a lot against the platforming in Tropical Freeze. I really like, you know, when, when he hangs from, you know, vines oh, that are that. above him. I think that's really great. And the controls work well. But that's half a game for me. Mm, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the platforming... It's funny, I, I always want... I want something to be pared down for mm. a platformer. I want it to be <clears throat> minimum number of things to collect. Mm. And I want just the platforming to be really, really interesting. And I like the secrets. I want the secret exits, mm -hmm, especially. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's why, you know, like when I think of platformer, the, the platformer that I think is more exceptional than anything from this decade is Rayman Origins, mm -hmm. not Rayman Legends. Because mm. I think Rayman Legends is guilty of some of the stuff that we're talking about that Tropical Freeze does, where it's like, oh, and then we're going to add this on top of it and this other collectible yeah. and all of this nonsense. Like, give me things that are interesting to jump over and then give me really hard jumps mm -hmm. that will lead me down a different path. Cool. And I I don't know. I feel like I feel like people forget that the coins were in Super Mario Brothers for three reasons. Mm-hmm. It was juice. It did give you the aesthetic joy of hearing a ding and seeing something sure. glow and, yep. and moving it around on the screen. And it could extend your playtime in the game when lives still mattered. Yep. But more, most importantly of all, the coins were there to show you how to play. Yep. That's what they're there for. They're there to be like, oh, if you jump like this, mm -hmm. now you know you can jump like this. Mm-hmm. Throwing a dozen little handles in the ground for Funky to yank on and a bunch of coins and, and the flying bananas and bananas that are undulating in the form of a star. Yeah. That's not teaching you to do 
anything. It's just, it's just yelling there. at you. Yeah. 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 Ah, it's a bummer. At least there are there are other wonderful platformers on on Nintendo Switch. There are many really good things on that machine. All I know uh, is Cat Quest Two is coming out. So boom! Boom! I'm very excited. I still haven't played one. I'm oh excited to play that. I'm excited to get we into to Cat Quest One. Um, I've been playing a bunch of things on the Switch. I kind of feel like we're we're I'll save those for the next show so we can talk about one last little thing okay. that I'm very interested to talk about. Uh, so. Uh, I watch. I watched the season finale of Agents of Shield last. Oh my night. God! Why are you watching that show? Do it. We're talking. Well, it's all over. I'm down. I'm out okay. now. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad I stuck with it. Wait, Agents season Sh- or series? Finale. Season. It okay. was gonna be series. It was mm-hmm. gonna be the series finale. They renewed it for a sixth season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no way in hell I'm watching it, even though you <laughs> couldn't see anything. So spo- really? spoilers for everybody. Spoiler warning, if you care about this, nobody cares about this. No. <laughs> so I, I'm really glad that I stuck through this season just because, like, you know, okay, now I don't have to worry about it. At the end of this, Clark Gregg leaves. Oh! No more Agent Coulson. Well, now there's really no reason to now watch it. Now there's really no yeah. reason to watch it. Yeah. And and the, the reality is, is that I have kept watching this show... I make no bones about this. I love Clark Gregg. I just yeah. I like watching that guy on the screen. He's awesome. He delights of all of like the people from like the old school eighties David Mamet world. You know your your Mamet, your William H Macy's, your Felicity Huffman's. All of them. I think Clark Gregg is my favorite. Wait, is he part of that? Oh yeah, Clark Gregg got his acting start at Mammoth's Theater. He was hey, with all those dudes. Hey, I did not know that. That's, yeah, that's, that explains a lot. Doesn't it? Yeah. He's he's totally that 80s stage actor, you know, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross clipped mean stories. Uh, I, I just, I love that guy. And so they... they you know, it's it's he doesn't die necessarily. They imply that he is dying, but he leaves to sort of go off into the sunset with uh, Melinda May, his his you know his his partner in Shield, and now his lover at the end of the show. What? Oh yeah, they're making out and whatnot. It's hot. I'm into it. <laughs> Way into it. Anyway, all of this said is. Part of the reason that I stuck with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the beginning is that it was one of the last episodic television shows that you could watch. Mm-hmm. Wherein there there was an arc, there was a mythos, but then there was also, like, a monster of the week sort of thing. It was mm-hmm. a one and done. They, they remembered that you could tell a story, a whole story, inside of 40 minutes, rather than just, like, I don't know... Watching fucking Brian Cranston stare pensively into the distance, and then all of a sudden somebody holds a gun at him at the end. You gotta wait until next week for the same goddamn thing to happen. Susan, you you brought up when we were talking about doing this episode of Continue the idea that episodic t- television is uh, dying. Yep, and I, I would contend that it's dead. I I should I want to clarify that. Episodic drama is dying mm. because episodic comedies, sure, super super popular, and I feel like, I you know, with although people are not abandoning their television sets in the like people 
who are listening to this and 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 in our spheres are all like, oh, I don't have cable. I don't yeah, most people still have cable. Right. That's just true. Okay, but with services like Amazon Prime and Netflix and Hulu, the ability to watch a show all in one go is changing the ways people think about storytelling and the way they're not willing to wait until yeah. next week to find out what's happening. Like, do you, like remember lost? Oh lost? my God. Oh yeah. I was in the thick of that. Right. I mean, people were obsessed with it and they were, they would get together and have viewing parties. At, and now that shit doesn't happen. Everybody's like, no, I'm just going to wait till the season comes out on Netflix and then I'll just right. watch it all at once. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you get, Shows like uh, like Westworld or Ultra Carbon or or Handmaid's Tale or or what have you, and it's you can just wait and watch it all in one go if if you so choose, and it's this big be, because that's happening. It allows them to tell this drawn out story because the end is maybe only two days away from the beginning as opposed to five months away, like or a year normal tell or a year. Yeah. Like it would have been on normal TV. So I feel like the the, the old X-Files mm-hmm. formula of, yeah, okay, there's an overarching narrative, but it's Monster of the Week. I really feel like that's going away, and it's making me very sad. I'm with you. I'm right there with you, and I hate it. Like, I... It's so funny watching this season, the newer, the newest season of the X-Files. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I I have never seen a pivot from a creative team from being like, wow, we really messed that up the last time we tried it. Let's try to get this right this time. Uh, I have never seen that anyone do it with that level of success or in such a way that, re- that demonstrates how an old method of storytelling can be so effective. I always preferred the Monster of the Week episodes of X-Files to the Mythos stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the Mythos stuff is, it was never... It wasn't that good. Let's it, be honest, wasn't it, wasn't that good. It, was, it was never that good. Like, there were Except episodes... Crycheck, he was awesome, but other than that... I had my own Alex Crycheck theme song, Susan. Nice! Yeah, my girlfriend in high school threatened to break up with me because I wouldn't stop singing the Alex Crycheck's. Alex Crycheck, Alex Crycheck... Alex, and then it would just like go into a breakdown. <laughs> It'd be like Walter Skinner, Walter Skinner, Walter Skinner, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> everybody knows that Walter Skinner is the manliest man in the history of man, and one day I will be him. Uh, but yeah, like you know, the the mythos stuff sucked because it wasn't very focused. No offense to to Chris Carter and his pretensions. No, it really wasn't. Uh, it just wasn't. And the, the monster of the week ones were super tight. You got to tell you have only this amount of time to tell a story. And I feel like restrictions, I feel like restrictions almost always end up with a better creative project. I don't know about you guys, whenever I'm making something, you know, we've talked about this with games. Susan, mm-hmm. you talk yep. about Minecraft and like the openness of Minecraft long before you fell in love with it frightened you away. But Dragon Quest Builders invited you in because Dragon Quest Builders said, I am going to pen you in just a little. Yep. Mm -hmm. Work within these confines. And that's the benefit of any creative restriction. The episodic narrative is great because it says, like, guess what? Some of the people that are going to watch this time 
have never seen any of this before. Mm-hmm. So you're allowed to deliver right. to your, your, your long-term fans by, you know, indulging in character ticks, further developing character. But if you tell a complete story here, it doesn't matter that somebody's going to be new because they, they will be able to enjoy this on a basic level. Yep. And, you know, that doesn't just mean that you can constantly be, you know, in the business sense, you, you can constantly be evolving your audience that way. But in the, the artistic sense, that allows you to constantly reinvent what you're doing. It keeps it fresh. It keeps your characters fresh. It keeps them alive. It also lets you try things. Yes. And, I, you know, I'm going, because of Dad of War, uh, <laughs> my husband and I are going back and re-watching Stargate SG-1 from the beginning. If you don't know the connection, Christopher Judge, who plays Teal in Stargate, voices Kratos in God of War. And that's... There's, you know, overarching bits like, you know, who they're allied with or, or whatever. And it, it refers back to itself. It rewards viewership with that. But it's mostly Monster of the Week. Mm-hmm. And it's great because it lets them try different stuff. It lets them try different characterizations. It lets them try different visual effects, different directing styles. As opposed to, well, now this, this like you know... It, this one's goofy, and I, I really love it, so I'm going to watch the show. Or, that wasn't very good, but maybe the next one will be more my style. Ugh, great. Yeah. And I, also, like, it also makes the, uh, just the act of watching the show less, like, like, there are less stakes on the individual to keep up. Exactly. Like, yeah. when every show... It was cool when Lost was doing it, because it was the only one that was doing it. It was, like, Lost and 24. It was it was Lost, 24, Battlestar Galactica, Mad Men, Breaking yeah, Bad. Like, there, there was, was this couple, class, you know? But now everyone wants to do that. And it's too, it's why I don't watch new shows, because, oh, you gotta watch, you gotta watch this show. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, how many episodes? That's ten episodes, okay. So then I gotta, they're gonna get, like, at least two or three seasons, so there's that. And then there are, like, eight other shows that I still haven't finished Mad Men. There's also... I thought, it's, it's too much. They're, they're, unfortunately, you do have to take the cynical perspective on this to an extent, too. Because in in the current landscape... There are so many options mm-hmm. that you need to dominate attention. That the mm-hmm. only way you're going to hold a viewer is by hooking them like a fish and keeping them on the line. And guess what? You're, you're every week a cliffhanger. Uh, that's the only way to do it effectively with a lot of these dramas. Because otherwise you can only rely on the super invested fan. Uh, it just bums me out. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that we get to a point where we see a uh, sort of counter movement to this, because I, I don't know, I, it breaks my heart that you're not allowed to tell a story in the way that a great Star Trek did. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I, guess what? I like the Orville not just because it's a Star Trek show. Okay, I like the, the Orville's or- actually really good. We haven't talked about this in the show. Susan watched the Orville. <laughs> I'm did. not a crazy person. I'm not crazy. You're not. You're not. You are. You are not a crazy person. Uh, I. It was. It was one of those times we wanted to watch something. We were on our streaming service, and uh, I. I hover over to the 
uh, the Orville, and my husband's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, look, Let's light this candle. <laughs> Anthony says it's a, re- it's, a, it's a Star Trek show. It's legit. Let's just give it a try. And we're like, all right, well, whatever. And it's actually really good. It's it really is. Compassionate. It's funny. It's well-written. It is completely devoid of subtlety and only the way that somebody inspired by Gene Roddenberry can be. It's, I love it. I love it. It's, ah, oh, man. But it's also, every, every single episode is, here is a story. Mm-hmm. We're going to tell you a story with a beginning, a middle, and end, and you can walk away from this thinking about what this story told you. Yeah. And it builds on character. It familiarizes me with people. Did you, you guys watch every every one of them, Susan? We, we watched the whole thing, and I I feel like the only way a show like that gets made anymore, a drama, again, I'm, I mean like hour-long dramas, mm-hmm. is if it has someone with enough clout to swing around yep. that they're like... Look, I have made you X amount of money or I can bring in X amount of viewers. Mm-hmm. You're going to let me do this. Because here's right. the other thing. Remember when everybody was watching Handmaid's Tale? Uh, I do. And, and every every time they talk about it, I'm like, I don't know. Season They're... two is out now. Yeah. All right, nobody's talking no, about it. Right? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Everything is, you know, whatever series comes to Netflix, Altered Carbon... Stranger Things. It's all anybody talks about for about a week. Yeah. And then when everybody's done binging it, it's nowhere. Yeah, it vanishes. Screw that. Yeah. I'm not not yeah, like even Stranger Things, which like that hype mm. lasted for a while. Especially like in, in modern internet terms, like right. it was a good couple months. Like people were still like, look at the the logo, what I did with it. Okay, that's uh, true. But Nowhere near the amount of fervor for season two. No. Nope. Not even like, close. Oh. Well, oh, yeah. No. People had moved people had moved on. People had vanished from the thing. Um yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, I I like when you see Netflix experimenting with releasing some of its shows by staggering episodes. Mm-hmm. Like I really like the fact that the new David Letterman talk show on Netflix is like, yeah, here's an episode. Come back in, like, three weeks. And then there'll be another one. Yeah. I, I... <sighs> oh, God. Yeah. All right, we, we went full circle, guys. We came all the way... We came all the way back to Google making robots to call your barber for you. How did we... How? Because, because of Netflix presenting shows in a way that keeps you addicted to a season. Oh, I see. Yeah. Rather than that's not even slightly the same thing, but okay. No, I, I I'm I'm talking about uh my the the luddite impulse. Oh, to oh, oh, to say oh, goddamn oh, you new technology. Why can't we all just be taping X Files? And then you realize that X Files you started the tape late, and your VCR messed it up, and all you <laughs> all you got was like half an episode of Dream On from. You forgot that this rerun was on TBS, and they run five minutes ahead of schedule. Why does it? Why? Why does everybody forget that Dream On existed? Everybody is always like the original HBO oh. original programming, The Sopranos. Be like, no, dog. No, Dream On was awesome. Dream On. Yeah, I Dream love on that was show. Great. It was so inappropriate Here's... for me to be watching that show when it was on. Oh yeah, I, I was. Mm. 
Uh, I, no, yeah. this explains a lot, actually. If you were here's, uh, if we have uh, any listeners who are younger, who skew a little younger, mm-hmm. and I and I mean early twenties, I'm very curious as to how you consume television programming, what you think about television programming, mm. because I grew up. Yeah, before cable, even, you know, it was the proper, the TV set was the center of the house. Yeah. It was what your family did together. You arranged your schedule around your programs before VCRs became commonplace. It was, it was a thing was, was watching TV and TV programming and, and all of that. And I recognize that that is not how people Mm. grow up now because you have on-demand content because you have DVRs and you can buy stuff from iTunes and and whatever. It's very much more suited to when you feel like getting around to it. You are guiding it instead of it guiding you. So I'd be very curious to hear how uh, someone who has grown up with that feels about this topic. I feel like that's, uh, that's a thing that we actually want you to do. Yeah. And in order to do that, we encourage you to follow us at twitter.com slash continue pod. And or, uh, or you can send us an email to uh, mail at continue pod.com. Yeah. Get, get in touch with this. Actually like do this. If you're listening yeah. to this episode, Please, don't be yeah. like, yeah. Oh, that would be an interesting. Actually do this. Please let us know how you actually watch television and movies, because I feel like this is a conversation that we can continue having. Speaking of, a continuing Continue. conversation. Uh, uh, well, now you know why the show is named that. Bam! Uh, it's a clever play on language. You, can... <laughs> uh, <laughs> guys, guys, we're fifty dollars away from being oh, a weekly yeah. show. Really? We are fifty dollars away from oh being a weekly show. We are so close. Oh my gosh! So go to patreon.com slash continue podcast if you can spare anything if you can spare one dollar we're very close to doing four shows a month which is going to be freaking awesome because we really like doing this with you uh and there are a group of you who we especially like doing this with you're the ones who back us at the shout out tier dave yes. shout them out uh yes if you back us at ten dollars or more uh i'll give you a special shout out on our show here so uh special thanks to Mirko Arico Terreno, John, Nick Grugan, Ryan Brady, Yaddle, Gluttony One of Seven, Peter, Ryan Mance, Flunky the Best Squirrel You Know, Thierry Belair, Eric Van Quill, Olmec, The Fancy Manatee, Denton Brock, Ellie O'Dare, Logan Pauly, Ludwig Kitzman, Stormshot, Double Taco, Francisco Areas Guimaraes, Kaylin Houston, Axel Olson Mangholt, Tyler Nilsson, Shane Nilsson, Fassi Sayan, Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Skip Dippity, Tim Chesson, Jose Bulletbabam Cordova, Daniel Squire, Tom, Derek Sanskrit, and Damian Michalese. Thank you all so much. Yeah. And even if even if you're not backing us, thank you for listening. Like we're doing this for you. We like talking to each other, but we're recording <laughs> it for you. So uh, thank you. Dave, you got a free game for somebody? Yeah. Uh, so Yay. if you leave us a review on iTunes or uh, 
share our stuff on Twitter with the like tagging us uh, at continue pod and the tweet with the link to our episode or whatever, uh, or a Patreon. Uh, I add you to a list. I keep track of this stuff and uh, I pick a winner at random for a free game. I have one North American PS4 game left and I still have a bunch of steam games. So um, depending on where you're from, that kind of determines what you get, but uh, I'm going to pick a winner. Bup, bup. Result. Loading. Why is this taking so long? This never happens. <laughs> it's streaming. It's on uh, yeah, stream. It's a... <laughs> Trolleycopter, you have won a... Uh, I, I believe those are our friends uh, at Better Than Speed. Uh, but yeah, you won a free game, so get in touch. Uh, and uh, and uh, we'll, we'll Woo! get squared away Yeah, for leaving us a review on iTunes. So... Uh, yeah, every little bit helps. Share the podcast, uh, review us so iTunes likes us better. I don't know how it works. Algorithms. Uh, so, yeah. Dave, where can the people find you personally? On the uh, personally, they can find me on Twitter at David Robots. That's uh, kind of where I'm hanging out these days. Susan, where can the folks find you on the web? Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Susan Arndt. I love uh, having conversations with people and talking about my dogs. You can also find me on PocketGamer.com where I write every week about mobile games because mobile games are good and I have excellent good. taste. Uh, anybody who wants to, to get some more of me, you guys can open your you open your AOL client and go to the Anthony John Agnello chat room. <laughs> keyword. You get you go, what's the AOL keyword? Yeah, here's what you do: you go buy a box of checks. You get your 500 free hours. You get your 500 free hours. You get your AOL client. You go in there. You get your your keyword. You go to Alta Vista and you search Anthony John Agnello. Uh, actually, That's the kind of tech I'm into. Uh, you can follow me askjeeves.com. Ask uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well. It's at a John Agnello. Uh, you can also listen to me on my other podcast, Video Game Grooves, if you like video game music and vinyl records. And you can catch me every single day at my day job at venturebeat.com. Uh, and I've got I've got an exciting piece of little content happening. Uh, over at VentureBeat. Guys, I think I'm going to be the pers- first person with an English-language interview with Treasure in five Whoa. years. Nice! Yeah, I'm interviewing nice. Treasure. I I think I might be the only human being who's ever asked them about stretch panic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, everybody, we'll see you in two weeks unless we get 50 bucks, in which case we will see you next week. Yes, Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.